This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. One or two little chapters over here. So on page 95, and we're discussing happiness. And the topic today is to identify oneself as a happy person. And that's very, very critical. So a person's got to tell themselves all the time, I'm a happy person, I'm a joyous person, I'm someone who loves life. I'm someone who appreciates the gifts that God gives us. So a person has to always repeat to themselves all the time, because we are who we think we are. So it's very critical that the words we tell ourselves, but a person tells themselves the opposite, it will turn out. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we have to keep telling ourselves, we're happy people. I'm a joyous person. I'm someone who loves life. So what happens is when you're talking to your spouse, someone they'll say, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to be. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to be. So your identity creates you, and that's a very important thing. We have to choose our identity. The person says, you know, I'm Jewish. That's, that's what I choose. You know, my son was going out with a girl, and she says, you know, you know, I can't remember what the terminology she used, but it's interesting to, the way a person relates to themselves, are, am I a Jewish American or American Jew? It's very critical what we put first. The words we describe ourselves are very important. So a person's going to describe themselves as a joyous person, think of themselves as a joyous person, and work on becoming a joyous person. They're not a joyous person. What's the difference, American Jew or Jewish American? What's your priority in your life? Are you an American first and Jew second, or a Jew first and American second? It's a very big difference. And it's very hard to be both. It's very hard. That's, uh, you know, it's very hard to be both sometimes. So especially, say, let me give you an example. A Jew is serving in the government. He's got to be an American first and a Jew second. It's very hard to be an American first and Jew second all the time, especially representing the government. And the instances of the government sometimes are anti-Israel, sometimes. Depends on the presidents, and so on and so forth. So your identity creates you. That's, that's the critical part. We have to embed, embed into our children their identity in a, from an early age. They have to identify with being Jewish at an early age. And that's what they are. A person's identity is who they are. So your identity creates you. If you think of yourself as a happy person, that's who you are. A happy person. But a person tells themselves all the time, I'm a sad person, I'm a difficult person. Then that's who they're going to be. A person's going to talk to themselves all the time. So we can choose our identity. Yes, you have a childhood, and maybe in your childhood you're not like that. Maybe your parents' view was not like that. The way others have treated you is not like that. But you have to think about it yourself, because you yourself create your identity. Don't let other people create your identity for you. Today we see more and more Balachiva, or a person who converts to Judaism. They created their own identity. They took their life into their hands. And someone we have to respect is someone who takes their life into their hands and says, you know what, this is who I am. It's very important to say, this is who I am. I am choosing, this is my choice in life. This is who I am. So it's important, also in terms of how we view ourselves, as we're happy people, makes ourselves happy. A person's going to say, look, I'm a happy person. A person's going to uh, look at themselves as, as, and smile in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm a happy person, I'm going to be a happy person, I'm going to try and make other people happy. It's a very important thing to be happy. We said it's a very high spiritual level to be happy. It's a very high spiritual level to be happy. And uh, if do it, Hashem B'Simcha, a person's going to be happy and serve God with joy. Because one of the biggest curses in Pasha Kitavo is the curse of Because you do not serve Hashem your God with Simcha, with joy, with a good heart. So it's very important to be happy. It's very hard to be happy sometimes. And some people are naturally not happy. You know, it's interesting. The Vilgaon says the joy that comes to do a mitzvah comes from the spleen. I don't know why it's a connection is a spleen, but it's interesting how all of a sudden he throws it in. The Vildegan says it's a spiritual aspect of every part of the body. So I fell down at the age of 15, playing basketball, I ruptured my spleen, and they took it out. I don't have a spleen. <laughs> so what would he say? <laughs> so it does affect us. It affects a person's identity. We have to still work on it. So a person can compensate. The body compensates. The body compensates. So it's interesting. So we have to work on this part of us, creating this identity that identifies ourselves. A person's going to think of themselves as a happy person. I'm a happy person. And if I'm not happy, I'm going to become a happy person. It's very important to be a happy person. And you know what? People like being around happy people. People do not like being around sad people. So you're a happy person. People say, oh, I want to be around that person. That person's always laughing and joyous and happy. I think it's a very fundamental trait of a South American, right? To be happy. It's the opposite. When they, come, when they move here, it takes, I think, seven years 
So they have the same mental problems as Americans. <laughs> like seven years, that's it. It's amazing. You go to South America, they may have very little, but they're very happy. It's amazing. And you come here, and people uh, have a lot. They're not happy. So we see that happiness does not, is, not, is not completely on track with materialism. But materialism doesn't mean more happiness. It could be the opposite. You see, families have very little, but they're very happy with each other. The, the children are very happy. The house is a very happy house. And you see people with a lot of money, but the house is not a happy house. So it's very important to be a happy house. And the happiness has got to be bubbling inside of us. It's uh, we fill oneself with joy. We should be dancing and singing every day, singing that we're, you know, we're happy, we're lucky, we're Jewish. Baruch Elokeinu Shabbat Vado. You know, there's a, the paragraph after Valetzion. You know, Valetzion? Everyone's seen the Valetzion, the Siddur. There's a paragraph over there, Baruch Elokeinu Shabbat Vado. Thank God who created us in His honor and His glory. Thank God, Baruch Hashem. So it's a very important idea. We should say it with joy. It's going to say it with joy. Thank you, I'm alive. Thank you, Hashem. It's a shame today. People don't appreciate life. It's one of the biggest problems today. People say, I'm alive again. Ah, go through this again. Hey, we don't really realize. We don't really appreciate. We don't know what nothingness is. To be in a void with nothingness. We don't know what it's like. To be alive and, and at least have senses, have some senses thinking about things. So our identity creates who we are. So we create our identity. We have to choose to create identity. Not just leave it to our parents and others to create identity. We have to choose our identity. Today I say that today we are all Jews by choice. All of us are Jews by choice. Because we choose to remain Jewish. Right. Just go out there in America. Ooh, you just wander around and be lost. How many Jews are just lost in the woodworks? Just completely lost. And we meet them all the time. Well, my father was Jewish, my mother was Jewish, my grandfather was Jewish, my this was Jewish. I'm Jewish. But I'm not really. I am. I'm not. I don't know. So, a lot of people don't know who they are. So, a person has to make that choice, that conscious choice. I'm a Jew, but I'm not just a Jew, I'm a happy Jew. Ah, that's a big difference. <laughs> the whole generation was la- raised, right? In the Yiddish, what does it say? It's hard to be a Jew. What does it say? Never say that. Never tell a child it's hard to be a Jew. Never, never, never. A person's going to be happy to say, listen, I'm a Jew. I'm so happy to be a Jew. Right? Uh, We're happy to be Jewish, but the world wants us to be sad. The world does not like happy Jews. It's interesting. A person says, you know, I'm a Jew. I'm happy about it. They say, why? You're crazy. You're happy to be a Jew. Yeah, I'm happy. All the persecution, all the troubles and everything, I'm happy to be a Jew. Why? I have purpose in life. It's a very important thing to have purpose in life. So a person's got to view themselves as a happy person. So it's a very important idea to, to view ourselves as happy people. And a person's got to remember times well, that you felt happy. And the more memories you have of happiness, the easier it is for you to view yourself as a happy person. So a person's got to think about the happy times, the good times. Always think about good things, good thoughts, positive thoughts. And, uh, you know, there's bad and good in life. Everyone has good and bad in life. We all have ups and downs. And we have to choose to remember the good parts of life. That makes us happy. Say thank God for the good parts of life. Listen, just look at the pictures. If you have grandchildren, look at pictures. But nothing makes a person happier than seeing your grandchildren. That's a, that's a really... If you have great-grandchildren, you're blessed. You're blessed, really blessed. Okay. So we'll be in that position, Bezrashim. So it's interesting. We have to view ourselves as happy people. Do not wait until you're happy 51% of the time. All the more so, do not wait for happiness for 90% of the time. Some people want 100% time happy. If I'm not always happy, how could I view myself as a happy person? The answer is, once you are happy or joyous, you can view yourself and say, I'm a person who experienced happiness. I can experience happiness, I did experience happiness, and I will experience happiness in the future. So even if it takes a leap of faith, person's going to push themselves and push themselves say I'm a happy person and the thing is that what makes us happy the trouble is we've raised our bar and what makes us happy right but it says I'm used to this standard living it doesn't make me happy anymore I want something a bit better so we raise our bar all the time what makes us happy instead of the small things in life making ourselves happy you go outside and appreciate sunshine after yesterday you go outside it's a beautiful day today the person's going to appreciate small things in life you got to smell the coffee as they say or smell the roses Smell the roses. No roses yet, but we'll get there. We're going to smell the roses. Okay, let's move on. Very fundamental to happiness. We said, we talked about purpose. And this is the chapter 34, page 97, and that is a sense of accomplishment. 
a person's got to feel like they achieved something in life. So a person says to themselves, you know, we all talk to ourselves all the time. What have I done with my life? What have I achieved so far? Nothing. I mean, what do I have to show for it? What do I have to show? Okay. So a person says to themselves, I have everything I need, but my life seems empty. I'm missing something. A person says, I waste a lot of my time and I feel frustrated. Or a person says, I'm involved in a few projects, but I never seem to complete something significant. So we all have these frustrations. We all have these ideas that we don't fulfill, we don't, we don't complete. We're not filling our mission. So everyone needs a sense of accomplishment. We all have to try and do something. So people enjoy their involvement in studying in working, in hobbies or tasks, they give the fields of accomplishment, are the happiest people. A person's happy when they're busy. A person sits in front of the TV and waits two hours. Depressing. It's very depressing. Because you didn't really accomplish. You watch something, maybe there's something inspired you, but it's, it's a false sense of inspiration. It's a false sense of accomplishment. A person's going to accomplish. A person who does something uh, is a happy person. A person who feels accomplished is a happy person. A person who has all that he needs but is not accomplishing... It's like to feel bored, empty, frustrated. If you've ever been around kids in the ho- summer holiday, oh boy. I had a, had a son who was, I'm, I'm bored, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. And he does his song for like two weeks. Oh God, couldn't take anymore. There's <laughs> nothing more worse than a bored kid. But it's still true with adults. A lot of adults are just bored. We're bored. So we turn to entertainment. That's why entertainment is such a big business today. But the more entertainment there is, the more sad people there are. Because the, the actors themselves are depressed. Why are they depressed? Because they're not accomplished either. What are they accomplishing? What are they doing in their lives? What are they doing in their lives? It's sad. It's a very sad situation. Being involved in meaningful accomplishments gives your life a sense of meaning and purpose. And there's no better meaning than making someone else happy. It's amazing. You go there, you visit a sick person. What have I done? We accomplished something. You made someone else happy. That's a tremendous accomplishment. There are many ways to accomplish as there are people. Okay, so there's many things. Everyone has their strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses. Everyone has things they're good at. Everything's that we can accomplish that no one else can do. Everyone has their specialty. I can't cook the way you can cook. Sure. I can't do this. I can't raise children the way you can do, raise children. Everyone has their own way of doing something that no one else can replicate. There's no one else in the world that can replicate that. There are types of things that most people view as accomplishment. And there are quieter yet heroic accomplishments. We have a guy here who changes our bulbs. He's one of our members. He comes in with nose around, so don't even see it, don't even appreciate it. You know? They don't see him. So you see the bulb's out, and the next week the bulb's on. But no one ever pays attention. There's another guy who puts on the outside lights. So but no one even pays attention. These are heroic people. These are heroes of the spirit. They do things without even bragging about it. No one knows about it. Right? Small things that a person does which uh, people don't, know, don't even know about. So accomplishments include gaining knowledge. So a person learns one, ta- one page of Talmud, one page of Torah. That's an accomplishment. Person, you know what? That's why it's so important to have a schedule. It's very, very critical to have a schedule every day, to learn a page a day. There's so many good books out. There's an article has a book. Uh, what's it called? Learning Every Day. Learning Each Day. A Lesson a Day. There's so many different kinds of books. So this way you read a page, a lesson a day. You have uh, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky. What is he right? Huh? Yeah. He has a book. What's it called? Yes, he has a book. Uh, Torah each day or something. So another day, every day he has a lesson for the day. It's very uplifting. Very, very uplifting. Very. He gives a nice story, and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's this way, a person has. I did a book. You know, you can. There's a there's a, a Navardok. You know, Navardok, very famous Musar Yeshiva. They would learn. They had a ten minute learning session every day. For Talmud. I mean, they learned Talmud for hours. But this was a different book of Talmud for 10 minutes a day. So everyone's wondering why they have 10 minutes a day learning of a book of Talmud. They need hours to learn. So the rabbi says, Because I want to tell you, I want to teach you how much a person can accomplish just 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. If you devote 10 minutes a day to something, at the end of a year, look how, much, look how many pages you, you've covered already. It's amazing. So 10 minutes a day, that's all it takes. That gives a person a sense of accomplishment. Darizal set aside, he, he went through the Torah, he gave us a portion to be learned every day. It's called Hok Lisrael. Hok means a statute. Every Jew should learn this amount every day. Halavai, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But there are shuls that they, they make that the shir, a shir. We, learn, we over here, we learn a Mishnah day. 
we finished Shas, this is our third time around. Mm-hmm. It took eight years or so to learn, you know, learn a Mishnah a day. But it's not every day, it's five days a week. You know, Mishnah mm-hmm. a day, five days a week, and we finished Shas twice, three times now, we're going third time now. So that gives a person a sense of accomplishment. What do I do today? So I, said, I spent half an hour learning Shas. Great. I, I spent my uh, I, I prayed I prayed Shacharit. That's, that's a big thing. That's a very big thing. So a person prays every day. They have a schedule every day. This way they can look back at that day and say, listen, I didn't entirely waste my day. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing this and doing that and doing the other. So that gives a person a sense of accomplishment. There are types of things that most people will view as accomplishments. And there are quieter yet heroic accomplishments. People who volunteer, who do things quietly behind the scenes. So gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom, being part of a worthwhile organization, a volunteer, a donor. It's also a worthwhile thing. People can write a check. What do you do? But you know what? You're enabling people to do good. You become an enabler. The person supports a shul. The person supports a school. It's, very, it's a very big thing. So what a person accomplish? And the answer is not what I accomplish. I enabled others to accomplish. And that's, that's an accomplishment in itself. Learning new skills, mastering old ones, overcoming handicaps and limitations. What is the Jewish definition of old age? When you stop learning. When you stop learning, you're old. But if you're still learning, still young. Because it's still growing and learning. And the truth is, it never ends. The Torah is never ending. There's, there's so much Torah that no one can come along and say, I know it all. No one can come along and say it. Even though there was someone in the Talmud, Talmud says, Rabbi Shmael's nephew came to him. He says, Rabbi says, can I start learning secular subjects? He said, well, you can learn the whole Torah. He said, I know the whole Torah. <laughs> I don't know how I can say such a thing. He should have asked him questions. He doesn't. He says, if you can find me a time which is neither day nor night. He says, what do you mean? It's a pasuk in Yeshua. You'll study Torah day and night. So you can't find day and night. Oh, too bad. You're stuck. You'll learn Torah all life. <laughs> but there's no end to it. There's no end to it. Rabbi Yezir ben Hurkanus, who's one of the greatest sages, he says... He says, look at me, he says, before he dies, he lifts up his two hands, and he says, my hands are like Sefer Torah. But whatever I know is as much as a dog can lap water from the sea. That's how much Torah I know. He says, when he died, thousands of laws were lost. He had it all in his brain. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says he was the greatest student. He was like a borsud. He was like a, li- a lime-laced pit with nothing, no, no leaks. Mm-hmm. Whatever goes into his head, he remembers everything. He says, I only learned from my rabbis as, long, as much as a dog could lap from the sea. That's how much Torah there is. There's so much. So that's an accomplishment. A person learns, studies, even one page, one Mishnah, one this, one that. It's an accomplishment. It gives a person a sense of satisfaction, tremendous satisfaction. I'll tell you, the most satisfying period is like learning Torah. It's like persons have been to Yeshiva. It's very hard to study or go to a class. Uplifted. Your soul gets uplifted. It's a sense of satisfaction. That people have to tamu Hashem. David Amir says, Tamu, you have to taste to realize how good Hashem is. Without that taste, the person will not know what it's like. Until a person's tasted Shabbat, you know what Shabbat is about. Until a person tastes Torah, you want to know what Shabbat Torah is about. So we have to taste it and learn it, and that's a sense of accomplishment. So gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom, volunteering, learning new skills. Overcoming handicaps and limitations, also, that's also a big thing. If you've ever been to therapy, I broke my wrist the other year, whatever, the snow. And just going to therapy, you know, every day you feel a little bit of movement. Oh, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> we should never know for that kind of accomplishment. Coping well with illness, anything, injury. All these are accomplishments. The person's got to pat themselves on the back. So there's many things that were major at one time. The person learned how to read. Boy, imagine those days. That's an accomplishment. Person knows how to read, and people don't know how to read. So, writing, learning how to stand up and walk is another. So, learning how to talk clearly enough that your mother and your father can understand what you're saying. That's also an accomplishment for a child. <laughs> Small things that today we just don't even think about, but those are thinking in their life, what they've done and what they've accomplished. And the critical thing is to have goals. A goal. A person cannot live without a goal. In fact, whenever I do my tax returns, I write down my goal. And I have it printed out on my own schedule. So I have a goal in life. A person's got to know what their goal is in life. What is our goal in life? Who can sum up their goal in life in one, one foot? I'll give you a very general goal. What is our goal? A person's got to write down. What is their goal? What am I doing this for? What am I working so hard for? What am I trying to do? Some of one is I want to give my children a very good education. 
right? So they can remain Jews and they can support themselves. Self-sufficient Jews. That's the critical thing. Self-sufficient Jews. Number two is, I mean, my goal is our Bezra Hashem will move to Israel one day. Bezra Hashem is a goal. A person could have goals, otherwise they won't achieve anything. A person could have the goal. What is the goal? To get all the children married, to get them to have grandchildren, whatever, whatever it is. A person could have a goal. It's a, it's a very important goal. Some goals are beyond, they're not in our control. But a person has to have goals. But otherwise a person won't achieve, won't achieve anything. So the goals in terms of, that resource says to the tikkun of one's own personality. A person could build a goal and says you have to fix your own personality. Tikkun, a person going to need tikkun. We have to fix whatever Hashem put us here for. That's our goal. To fix what Hashem put us here for. Trouble is, we don't even know what Hashem put us here for. That's the problem. And the result says, if you know your weaknesses, that's what Hashem put us here for. He put us here to fix our weaknesses. And But obviously, it's tikkun olam. Tikkun olam starts with ourselves. We have to fix ourselves. Every human being is a, is a world. Every human being is a world. Fix ourselves and help other people as much as possible. So that's also, that's a goal, and the goals lead to accomplishments, and that's a very important thing. A person with no goals in life, just aimless. Most people today are just aimless. It's amazing, if you, put, if you walk down the street in Highland Park, coming out of show on Friday night, you pass the restaurants, they're packed with people. Yeah, they're packed with people. What are people doing? Eating, drinking, whatever, having a good time. But most people, that's their goal in life. We're just saying that most people's goal in life is just to have a good time. Right? So you work hard so you can enjoy the weekend, have a good time, which is, I don't know, it's good in, in brackets, in, the, in quotation marks, because it may not be good, but they have, they have fun. They want to have fun. My, my son was telling me, he was in Hong Kong, he says every night, except for Sunday and Monday, are party night. People stay up until two. He's talking about the boys who are working and in, in, in whatever. So uh, they stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning, and they come to work, they're exhausted. He had a, he had a friend of his sleep under the, the desk. <laughs> sleep under the desk at work. You got fired, I mean, obviously. But they come in with a hangover because they're partying. But Sunday night and Monday night, they don't party. Why? Sunday night, they're so exhausted from partying. Friday night and Saturday night, they party all night. Sunday night, they crash. Sunday, they crash. And Monday's work. So they're still... Monday night, also, they're exhausted. They're <laughs> and they start again. Tuesday night, they party. That's life. That's what it is. That's what life's all about. That's what they're living for. But most people are aimless. Most people don't have goals. That's the thing. They want to earn money and then have fun. That's it. The goal in life is to have fun. Um, so everyone has their own def- definition of fun. We are meant to have a much more purposeful kind of life. Fun is not like one of our goals. It has to be enjoy doing good. Enjoy purpose. Enjoy mastery of one's own desires and one's own temptations. Anyway, there's a lot of things to do. So goals lead to accomplishments. It's very important to set goals. If a person does not have any meaningful goals, make it your goal to put a meaningful goal. <laughs> it's a goal to have a meaningful goal. Keep in mind, character development and spiritual goals are ultimately the most fulfilling goals. That is very critical. People don't think so. Material goals are good, but they're not fulfilling. So you get this. So you made your first million. Now what? I make another million. And now what? Another million. Another million. Now what? It's not fulfilling. But a spiritual goal is fulfilling. makes a person satisfied. So character development, spiritual goals are the most fulfilling goals. Trivial goals are better than not having a goal. But do not limit yourself. The greater your goals, the greater your potential for accomplishment. And the more fulfilling your life. I met a guy, I was, I was went to visit someone. 10 o'clock, it was 10 o'clock on Friday night. We were singing Zmiron. Right? And this guy was so exhausted. I said, why are you so tired? So I wake up 3 o'clock in the morning. I want to learn the whole Torah before I die. What a great goal. Wakes up 3 o'clock every morning, learning Mishnah, Talmud, Daf Yovi, this, that. Yeah, he, wants, he works. Whole, whole day he's working. So he wants to learn the Torah before. That's a goal. That's a tremendous goal. I also want to do it. It says, uh, the Talmud says, Praise the person who comes here with his Talmud in his hands. But you can't carry anything to Olam Abba. It's got to be in your head. It's got to be in your memory banks. So it's very important. important. So it's a goal. The person's got to have a goal to learn the Torah. It's, very, it's a very important mm-hmm. goal. To develop the character, to develop the spiritual goals. It has been said, when you have a why to live, you can overcome any how. If you have a reason to live, you'll overcome any how. How do I do it? So the reason is very important. When you experience your life as meaningful, you're more able to transcend difficulties and hardships. A person's going to keep their eyes 
on the goal. Keep your eyes on making and reaching goals. If one goal does not work out, create another goal. And realize you might already be involved in accomplishing something worthwhile. But you take it for granted. That's the problem. When we're raising children, we're really involved in something very, very worthwhile. We don't even look at it as a goal. Gosh, I'm raising a child. It's a jewel. Hashem gave me a jewel. I've got to polish that jewel. That's my problem. I've got to polish that jewel. I've got to find the best way to polish the jewel. That's the goal in life. And that's, uh, that's a very critical goal. Sometimes we're involved in the goal. We can't even see the goal. We don't see it's right in front of us. You have a spouse. Making that spouse happy is a goal. You don't have a spouse. Making yourself happy is a goal. Making your children happy, grandchildren happy is a goal. But it's not just happiness. Because happiness is fleeting. But giving them something worthwhile, lessons in life. Small lessons in life. So when you have a why to live, you can overcome any how to live. The why is important. The purpose is important. The goal is important. And a person's going to think to appreciate past accomplishments and to think about the future accomplishments. So a person says, you know what, I, I did this goal. Now what? It's my next goal. Set another goal. A person always has to have a goal in life. What is our goal in life? Otherwise it becomes purposeless. Okay. Now we come to waiting time. I don't know if you've ever been to doctors. I tell you, I hate going to doctors. Not because of going to doctor, but because of waiting for the doctor. You know, the best doctors don't keep you waiting. It's amazing because they value their time, they value your time. That's very unusual. It's very highly unusual. And uh, I found a very good practice. Summit Medical Center. Unbelievable. I tell you, anyone needs a doctor, go to Summit Medical Center. Best. Over here. But Summit, it's fantastic. They're fantastic. They really are fantastic. And they have some top doctors over there. Older Jewish doctors. You don't find them around anymore. So <laughs> the top, top of the field. It's amazing. Okay, so I hate to wait. A busy executive confided in me. Everyone could see that. The guy got annoyed very, very easily. So you have elim- eliminated it from your life, I jokingly asked him. I wish I could. I dread waiting for anything or anybody. I start climbing the walls if I'm kept waiting. I want to be on the move. I want to accomplish. Waiting is such a waste of my precious time. Amazing, huh? So the answer is that don't waste the time waiting. Even when you're waiting, you can do something purposeful. So you said before, the guy can learn. I tell you, I had, a, I had the honor and privilege of taking around this the big tzaddik, Rabbi Blau. He was a long time ago, Rabbi Blau. Rabbi Blau... Um, he used to come and stay with me when I was in Vancouver. He was, uh, he was a mashulach. He used to go around collecting money, but it wasn't for him. He would give out free to fill in and free mezuzot for people. We never had. So he goes to these places and speak to people. Do you have a mezuzah here? Take. Do you have to fill in? Yeah, take. I'll show you how to wear it. He has a free pair. It costs a lot of money. Mezuzot to fill in. So he'd go around collecting money. So he had a suitcase. He, had, he would travel around America with a big, big metal box and it was like an old suitcase you ever see these old suitcases uh, trunk it was a very heavy trunk what do we have inside his trunk so he had all the mezuzot and tefillin and then he had uh, his uh, chicken soup frozen he had frozen chicken soup because he never ate by anyone he wouldn't eat by me he wouldn't eat anything he had his own chicken soup he'd have his little uh, uh, well he had his little uh, pot and he just warmed it up Take out his chicken soup, frozen chicken soup, put it and he'd buy pineapples. That was how he lived. He lived on pineapples and chicken soup. That's what he lived on. When I saw him, that's what he lived on. That's what he did. Okay. Amazing. So, but he would go around collecting, but he never wasted a time. Can you imagine? People made him wait in his office. You know, you wait for this rich man. One hour here, one hour there. He's learning Gemara. It did not frustrate him one bit. He was not frustrated. I don't see the person who's never frustrated. He was never frustrated because he always had something to do. So he was very, very patient. He was waiting patiently because he was always learning. He ever took his nose out of the book. <laughs> you ready? Okay. Come in. You leave? Okay. He's reading his book again. He's always learning. So he doesn't get frustrated on waiting. Why? Because waiting is purposeful. He doesn't waste his time waiting. He's always doing something. Today, it's amazing. You go to a, a place where a waiting room, what do you know what people are doing? They're on their phone, phone. On their smartphone, look at news, look at this, who knows what they're doing. But if you can do something purposeful, learn perkiavot, something purposeful, you get something purposeful out of it. So this way, a person says, You know, I waited 10 minutes, but it wasn't a wait. I was enjoying myself. I was doing something purposeful. So make your waits purposeful. 
have a quality waiting time. That's a very amazing thing. Have a quality waiting time. At the very least, practice being patient. Oh boy, that's hard. That's why I call him patience, I think. That's the reason why I call patience. Why doctor and patience? Why have patience? Because you have to have patience for the doctor. Doctors and patients. So it's very important to work on one's patience, which is it's getting a very, very short supply. Uh, tell you, when I was a kid growing up in England, in England you have to have patience. In England it was like a, a national virtue. Patience was something which everyone accepted, the patience. You stand in a line, you're quiet, you're respectful, you just wait for your turn. It's not like that anymore, but it used to be like that. So I went to Israel. I'm standing at a post office. I don't know if you've been to a post office in Israel. Oh, oh, this was a while back. It's much better now. It's much, much better now. <laughs> There's a joke. This is a joke. Don't take it literally. It's a joke. Okay, please don't don't misquote me. A guy's waiting in the bank, and there's a line a mile long. He says, "I've had enough. I can't take anymore. I'm going to go and shoot Ben Gurion." He goes and he comes back. The guy says, two hours later, he came back. Says, "What's going on? Did you do it?" He says, "No. The line over there was even longer." That's a Jewish joke. It's an Israeli joke at the time. But you see the lines over there. So I'm standing in this line, this post office, and it, it was, what happened was, people started screaming and shouting, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And I'm standing there quietly. They said, well, look at me. I said, how come you're not shouting? Honestly, that's what they did. Honestly, it was crazy. crazy. It happened to be at a post office in Meir Sharim, which is like one of the, oh, yes. it's very, very busy. Very, very busy. So look at me. Everyone's looking at me now. How come you're not excited? I need Lomipo. I don't come from here. They say, oh, that's why. <laughs> He's a foreigner, that's why. <laughs> like, strange, what, you're not getting excited? So it's very important to have patience, but, you know, it's very hard to have patience. You see, yesterday, you know, the Jewish people couldn't have patience for Moshe Rabbeinu. They just made the golden calf. We see that patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. But sometimes the person's got to be patient. Sometimes things take longer in some people's lives than other things. Sometimes you're waiting for marriage, you're waiting for this. Something that you can do, you can bang your head, or you can become patient. That's all. But it's going to be patient sometimes. It's going to happen. Because going to have patience. Sometimes it's a test. Hashem is giving us a test. Some people can't be patient. Some people have patience. So what can you do? We have to learn to be patient sometimes. That's also a test. That's also a middle. So since you will always have to wait, it makes sense. You should make it part of your priorities to enjoy waiting time. Enjoy the wait. Do something purposeful during the wait. This way you can enjoy the wait. Of course you do not want to waste time. But if you utilize your waiting time wisely, it will not be wasted. At the very least, waiting time will add to your level of patience. And when you master your patience, you'll be free from frustration and anger. So that's the trouble. The person gets frustrated and they get angry. So instead of waiting impatiently, they get angry. It's happening in Israel. It's very tough in hospitals. and People get very violent over there. Doctors and nurses. It's, it's, I won't even tell you what they did. It's horrible. It's very horrible. A person's got to be master their patience, to be free from frustration and anger. A person's got to master their patience. So a person can carry a book with you. You can meditate. You can even utilize your waiting time to think of the best things to do with your waiting time. Okay. Okay. Good. So that's part of being happy is um, not being frustrated, not getting angry and frustrated. It's very important. Okay, now we come to pay, uh, chapter 36, which is, which is a very interesting topic, uh, which deals with emotions. Because what happens is, sometimes a person is in an emotional stage, and the emotions just drive the person. The person is being driven by the emotions. And the person has highs, emotions, we just go up and down. Emotionally, a person can go up and down very fast, emotionally, very, emotional swings, very, very rapidly. So a person's got to anchor these emotions. A person's got to anchor their emotions. Because a person, the emotions are like a sea, like waves in the sea. And if the ship is not anchored, the ship is just going from one up and down, up and down. So a person says, every time I hear this wedding song, it brings back wonderful memories. Okay, so the emotions are so high. Seeing this picture reminds me of the breathtaking scenes I saw on top of the Rocky Mountains. I feel exhilarated. Watching my watch, touching my watch makes me smile. As it reminds me how I look when I smile at mirrors. Oh, that means okay. <laughs> Moving my hands straight ahead automatically puts me into a focused state. And I have a guy over here who prays. When he prays, he's going like this. He's visualizing his prayers going up, hopefully. I don't know, I'm just trying to think what he's doing. I'm trying to figure out. You know, he's making a connection between him and God. I don't know. 
sense. Yeah. yeah. If it works, it works. It works. I don't know what you think. I'm just trying to measure it. <laughs> so all these are examples of anchoring, associating things, one emotions. Okay. So we have to associate good things with good emotions. We, we look at our picture, and then we talk about the picture, and say, wow, that picture really reminds me of this. So I'm anchoring my emotion in that picture. My picture is being anchored over there. The emotions are being anchored in the picture. So we automatically have numerous anchors. Some are pleasant anchors. And some are distressful anchors. So pleasant anchors are things that when you see, hear, or touch, you have good feelings. And bad anchors are things where you, when you see them, you get bad feelings. So words are also anchors. Words such as joy, happiness, serenity, relaxed, empowered, gives you memories, are awakened of when did I feel like that. And uh, for the, some people this is very minor, or for others it's very intense. Okay. And same thing applies to negative words. Negative words awaken negative feelings. The person thinks anger. So you start thinking about all the people who got angry at the person, or the person starts thinking about what makes them angry. So it's uh, so people you like are positive anchors. You mention their name, someone you like and respect, you elicit a very good reaction. When you think of people you don't like, it's a very bad reaction. It's interesting because that's Mishlei, right? Shem Rishayim Yerkavu says the name of the wicked should be blotted out, should be erased. Oh, I like, I love that song. <laughs> Such a nice song. So, uh, <laughs> you finished? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we think about is an anchor. We think about something that gives us good feelings, give it an anchor. Doesn't think about things that give us bad feelings, a bad anchor. Um, so we have to talk about things which give us good feelings. It's, have to, it's, it's you when you talk about to talk to someone else. You talk about the wrong topic. All of a sudden you see the person change. It's amazing. It's, it's really it's miraculous sometimes. You see how the person changes. In fact, you've got to know how to change. Children are very easy to change their moods. Mm-hmm. You start talking about things which make them happy. I'm saying the, the guy's crying. In the middle of the tears, they stop just like that, and they start thinking about good things. Just by changing the subject. You talk about good anchors for them. What do they like doing? All of a sudden, they're, they're different with kids. But it happens with adults as well. I'm, I'm talking to someone, all of a sudden, the guy's face changes. What do I say? I reminded him of something by saying a word, whatever, triggered something, triggered a thought in the person's mind. They can change completely. That's why it says mazal. What's mazal? Makom, zman, lashon. The person's in the right place, at the right time, using the right speech. It's very important the speech we use, and that's why Esther was praying for three days and three nights, and she was fasting and praying. Because when she goes to Hashverosh, if she says the wrong word, she's finished. I mean, Rashi said the wrong words, and she was finished. <laughs> so Esther is very careful. She has to say the right words. You look at the language she used in a very, if it pleases the king, if it pleases the king. So now the word pleases is very interesting, because I want to please you. Other guys says, you want to please me? I love that when people say they want to please me. If you want to make someone happy, just tell them, I want to please you. I want to do it. whatever you want. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll please you. I want to please you. So people just say the word please. Oh, please. He wants to please me. That's, that's already puts me in a good frame of mind. Right? <laughs> so she put the king into a very good frame of mind. So if you mention someone who people like, yes, in a frame of mind. But if you mention someone who doesn't, he doesn't like, bad frame of mind. Phobias are when you associate danger with, someone harm, harm, with something harmless. So as you associate danger with something harmless, it could be that there's a frightening experience. A person got, got stuck in an elevator. So now the, uh, the, uh, when you talk about elevators, it brings up it's bad memories. Bad memories. Oh. Okay, so happy and joyous people will have many positive anchors. That's a, that's a trick. The trick is to associate positive things with many, many people and many, many things. The more a person starts... This person's not good. And that guy's not good. And that's going to happen. All of a sudden, you can't talk to this, this person about anyone. Because this one's not bad. This one's bad. This one's bad. They're bad anchors. There are many bad anchors. Or you talk about this. I went to this place. That place? I hate that place. And this? I hate this place. The person's full of bad anchors. It's very hard to talk to them. So the more good anchors, that's very, very trick. The more good anchors we have in our heads. The more happy memories we are in our heads. The more people we like in our heads. The more books we, ha- we like in our heads, the names, the pictures, and seeing them, they're all positive anchors. Make many positive anchors for yourself. When you are intensely in a positive state, such as joy, confidence, focused, or flowing, 
make of sound. And this is I don't I don't advise this. Make of hand movement. I don't know this. I don't like this. Okay. But this way you anchor yourself with that movement. So you'll think about this movement. You say, oh, that makes me happy. You, you have all those memories that that are triggered by that sound. Okay. I know one of the biggest anchors in my life is the green light. Oh, that makes me happy. I see a green light in Highland Park. Wow, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think there's only once in my life I went through the whole of Highland Park without a red light. Sorry, How only did you once. That? I don't know. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I, I, it's a miracle. Hashem is on my side. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Now we come to a very important technique on chapter 37. Today is the only day you have. Oh boy, live in the present. Live in the present. Today. So you will have, you've had many previous days, and hopefully you have many future days. But today is the only day that you will experience in reality today. If a person lives in reality, what are you experiencing today? One experience this minute, we talked about last time, right? How many, minutes, how many seconds a day? 84,600? Anyone remember? Mm-hmm. Approximately. That's it. Yeah. So we have to realize every second we're living, a person's going to enjoy that second. Every day we're alive, we have to enjoy that day. And one one way to transform today into a great day is to actually view it this way. You say, today's going to be a great, today's a great day. I love this day. Today's a fantastic day. When you start talking positively about the day, it becomes a positive day. You know, we have, what's the saying? He woke up on the wrong side of his bed. Right. So what does, what does that mean? That means the person woke up with a bad attitude. Grouchy. Grouchy, whatever it is. Grouchy. The person wakes up with a bad attitude. So we have to realize that attitude is our free choice. A person can make a day a great day. A person can make a day a terrible day. It's what you say about that day that transforms the day. Some of the days that people consider the best days of their lives are because special events happen to them. But this is dependent on other people and external circumstances. So what happened if it, someone didn't make this a good day for me? I'm going to make it a good day for myself. You have the ability to develop yourself in ways that you can create your own great days. Okay. Rambam cites a story. This is, this is a wild story. It's very hard to understand the story. They asked a distinguished person, what was the most joyous day of your life? So the person says, I was on a ship, and there were people on the ship that mocked and jeered me. They even threw garbage on me. Yeah, so it was the greatest day of your life? <laughs> he said, yeah, because I overcame all the negativity, and I was happy inside. That was the most joyous day of my life. In other words, I can detach myself from the reality of the situation and make myself choice inside. In this way, a person is in total control of their emotions. That is really the most happiest day of my life is when I can control my emotions. Wow. That's a very high level. So this, for this person, there's a day of total liberation and freedom. They were now totally independent of external circumstances. I don't know if you've heard the story of Abraham ben Abraham. Who's Abraham ben Abraham? He was a famous convert, mm-hmm. Polish noble. A Polish nobleman, amazing. Polish nobleman. In the time of Vilna Gaon, who was converted to Judaism by the, by the Vilna Gaon, which was a punishable by death in Poland that time. When Andrzej became a Jewish, he was punishable by death. And um, so he was hiding. He was in hiding, this person. This nobleman, he, he was in a place, and he, he stayed in a Beit Midrash in a small village, and he was learning Torah all day, and somehow the Jews felt there's something strange going on, and they reported him to the authorities. And the authorities caught him. They were looking for him for a long time. Where is this guy? He was a nobleman, very, very wealthy nobleman. And they caught him and they tortured him and they burnt him at the stake. But his last words was, I forgive you all. So here is a man who's being burnt alive. You can't imagine the pain and the... the it's, it's crazy. And here he's in a different reality. His mind is in a different reality. He's saying, Shema Yisrael, he's forgiving everyone. It's a different reality. So that's the idea of, of being in total control of oneself. So a person it would help you view today as the greatest day of your life. Why? Then you'll make it the greatest day of your life. If today you decide to upgrade your character beyond ways that you have done before, then today is the greatest day of your life. If today you make goals and plans that go beyond your previous goals and plans, then today is the greatest day of your life. If today you have a greater spiritual awareness and feel more connected with God, then today is the greatest day of your life. We can make today the greatest day of our lives. So we're going to talk about the ways of making the day the greatest day of their life. But can you imagine? A person can change their reality. A person can change their life just by how we think and how we think and talk to ourselves. A person can make it. A person, that's why it's very important to be optimistic. Be an optimistic person. Gam zu
I'll tell you, I've had some harrowing experiences in, in the last few days, whatever. But comes everything's going to be good. Everything will be good. And a person who thinks that way takes away a lot of pressure, by the way. It's very good for your blood pressure. It's very good for your peace of mind. And a person's going to have emunah. Bidachon. I have to have a bidachon. <laughs> so someone was talking to me the other day, and I said, wow, you must have a lot of emunah. He said, no, bidachon. Is I believe in God. Bitachon is I believe that God can help me right now. It's different. Bitachon is like a safety belt. Seat belt in Hebrew is called Hagurat Bitachon. Anyways, believing in God is one thing. But to believe that God can help you personally, that's Bitachon. That's what we have to do is try and bring that level down to ourselves that I believe in God who can help me personally. It's interesting, that's how we start as a Shmonasray. I mean, a person's got to think about this so carefully when you read the Shemur Answer because that first paragraph is so critical. Elokenu! My God, our God. He's my God. Bring, him, bring God down to you. He's my God. He's our God. He's a personal God. Elokenu. And then, So if, if my marriage is not enough and I can't help myself, Hashem, because my father's Elokenu, do it for them. And, you know, that's, that's a magic formula. We were just Moshe Rabbeinu wants to save the Jewish people. What do you say? Okay, Abraham, okay, somebody, okay, I go. Where do you think they got it from? We got it from Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah yesterday when he's trying to save the Jewish people. Hashem says, "Salachti kidvarecha." I forgive them just like you said. Once you say Abraham is Yaakov, Hashem says, "I can't resist them. Those guys are unresist. I can't resist them because look what they did for me. They did for me what no one else does for me, and that's why I can't resist." If you mentioned Abraham is Yaakov, you're guaranteed success in life. But before that, we have to say, "Okay, no." Hashem, you're my personal God. You're our personal God. It's so powerful. When you do the Shemona Esrei, just think about Elokeinu. And a person should be enveloped in the sense of Elokeinu. And a person should say, Hashem, put your arms around me. And Hashem puts his arms around you. It's amazing. It's, 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 you feel it. You should feel it. You should be able to feel it. Spiritually, not physically. But you feel this. You should be able to feel surrounded by Hashem. Surrounded by Hashem's uh, power. So a person can make the day the greatest day of a life. You can get experiences. Try and find an experience. Just feel something. Just today you can feel something you never felt before. A person can be able to feel this. This is a place to feel experiences. A person's in a shul. What do you do in a shul? Unfortunately, people, a lot of people chat. And it just ruins the whole thing. It ruins the whole experience. A shul is not your living room. A shul is Hashem's living room. A person can have a different perspective. And that's how a person's prayers are not accepted. Person talks instead of praying, the prayers are not accepted. Why? Because they don't really feel the power of prayer. They knew where they stand, knew where Hashem is, they wouldn't chat. The fact that they chat means they don't really believe Hashem is there right now. So it's a very important thing not to chat and show. Make, make the most of the spiritual experience. Make the most of the experience, spiritual experience. And a person can reach highs that a person never reached yesterday. So why not make the most of today? Why not make the most, most of uh, the day? Make the most of time. So a person can create a great day by, number one, gaining greater self-mastery and self-discipline than ever before. So a person says, I got insulted, I don't want it to really lash out, but I control myself. Oh, that's, that's self-mastery. Wow, that's self-mastery. But it can happen, and, and uh, uh, just a, a nice word, it says, mechaper af. And af is not in the nose, af is anger. Mechaper af, it can cover anger. Someone talks to you very nastily and you give a nice reply. It can change the whole tone of the conversation. They say, wow, that's amazing. I said something nasty, there's something nice. But I really like you. Why are you talking to me like that? So you like you what? You like me? That just ruins, that just upsets the person the other way around. Say, what? But how can you say that to me? I like you so much. But I thought you hate me. That's what usually the misconceptions are. Everything's based on misconceptions. We have to break that bubble. People living in misconceptions. So, so a person can, great, can gain greater self-mastery and self-discipline using negative things that happen to the person. Look what happened to the, the tzaddik. They, 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 they threw garbage on the guy on, in the boat. And he's saying, that was the happiest day of my life. Why? Because I didn't let it bother me. I got self-mastery to the point where I didn't let anything bother me. It's called stoicism. To be a stoic, which means nothing affects that person. It's, it's so hard to do. It's very easy to talk about, but it's very hard to do. And, uh, you know, we all have tested life. And the tests come when you're not ready for them. That's the trouble. The test is there when you're not ready for it. So out of the blue, sometimes the test comes. And Hashem doesn't give a test, and they say, you know what, tomorrow's going to be the exam. <laughs> Hashem says, gives a test when a person's not ready for it. That's when the test comes. 
That's what a person knows whether they're really mastery or no mastery. Learning something new. Realizing that you know something more today than ever before. You know, I'm just learning more about it. I learned Kitasa so many times, but yesterday I, I learned so many insights. You just got to keep on learning. You just keep on learning. You learn something new. Yesterday we were talking about the connection between the golden calf and the Kruvim. And must we learn? There's a connection? Yes, there's a connection. We talked about it yesterday. So it's something new a person learned. It's very important. Forgiving someone you, you previously were not able to forgive. Wow. That's also another step up in life. Beginning a new habit that will make a great difference, difference in your life. Wow, that's a big step up. Because our lives are basically built on habit. We're creatures of habit. Every one of us are creatures of habits. The person says, you know, I'm going to wake up five minutes earlier. I'm going to say Shema before going to sleep. I'm going to start a new habit that's going to change my life. It's fantastic. Small things can change our lives. Viewing your entire life until now in a new way that makes it more of a resource than ever before. Using all the life experiences as learning experiences. And that's the difference between a, a smart person and a person who's not smart. A person uses their life experiences as learning experiences. Doing something positive that you only now have the courage to do. So all these are th- ways of making this day the greatest day in one's life. All these are different ways. Um, so let's try and, try and do one day at a time. Make the, be positive and make the day the greatest day of one's life. That's amazing. And the words we say to ourselves are the ways to do it. We have to be optimistic inside and positive inside and talk about it. Talk to ourselves. I want to make this day a positive day. I'm not going to let anyone interfere with my well-being. I'm not going to let anyone interfere with my emotional health. I'm going to work on myself to the point where I don't feel what they're saying about me. I mean, David Amelech. People are saying terrible things about David Amelech. And how did he keep his equilibrium? I don't know. His strength of character and his belief in Hashem. That's the only thing. He was anchored in God. He didn't let anything else bother him because he was anchored in Hashem. And that's something which the person is going to try and do as well. Okay, we're going to stop here. We'll continue with Hashem next week. And next- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.